Turn to your neighbor and say, fight the good fight. Yes, we are going to fight the good fight this morning. Fight the good fight. And if you want to stick up your fists, it's even better when you say fight the good fight, right? Stick up those fists and let's say let's fight. So our opening verse, 1 Timothy 6.11, which I hope that some of us are getting accustomed to. And it says, but you, Timothy, are a man of God. Run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness, a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life which God has called you, which you have declared so well before so many witnesses. Paul, speaking to Timothy and speaking to us this morning, he says, run from evil. Run from evil. Run, Forrest, run. Run from evil. And I think this morning all of us can probably think of things that we should run from. And he says, pursue righteousness or right living, a godly life. Pursue faith. Ah, pursue love. Pursue, pursue perseverance. And pursue gentleness. And then he goes on to say, fight for these things. We have to fight for these things. We have to fight for faith. We have to fight to live and do what's right. We have to fight for love, the right kind of love. Not all love is love. It's God's love defined for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This is love. We don't understand or get love unless you get his love. And nobody on this planet will ever fully understand love unless we first understand the one who created love, which is God himself. And so we have to fight. It is a fight. The words and imagery that Paul used, it's a battle. It's like two men fighting and boxing one another. They were going at it in a ring. And how many of us have ever watched a boxing match and we see there are people cheering for one guy? There are people cheering for the other guy? There are people who might be throwing things or, or booing the guy that they don't like, right? And that's kind of like us in life because how many people are cheering us on? How many people are cheering your success on? How many people are cheering, go after your dreams, fight for all that God has for you? But at the same time, just like this, there's people who boo at us as well. Boo, boo. We are in the contest of our life, if you didn't know. If you didn't realize, you were in the contest of your life. And Paul says, fight hard. This is the time to be vigilant. This is the time as we live in 2023. It is the time to fight like we've never fought before. This is it. This is the greatest contest of life, to fight and to give all that we have. Ephesians 6.10, Paul says, the final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavy places. And so the, the question we ask ourselves, who are we really fighting? What are we really fighting this morning? Who and what are we fighting? Because all of us are fighting something. I guarantee you there is something that every single one of us, we are fighting. Whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, health, whatever it may be, we all this morning are fighting something relationally. There's, the list can go on and on and on. And sometimes what we don't realize is how much time do we spend fighting ourselves? But there's data, data. 
What did he want to do? He wanted to fight. He was going to fight for his friends in that moment. He was going to stand up, and he was ready to fight the enemy. I'm going to take these evil people down. He only had one problem. Most of his electronics didn't work very well. Kind of like our sound system up here, right? So when he goes to punch the enemy, who did he hit? God himself. Many times this morning, we think we're fighting someone or something. And you know who you're really fighting? You're fighting yourself. Really in our mind, we think we're fighting somebody else. And we're fighting things and ghosts and demons of the past. And there's so many things that we think that we're fighting in our head and our heart and our soul and our mind and those, you know, demons and this, that, and the other. When really, if you could take a minute to be honest this morning, we're swinging, we're punching, we think we're going for the enemy, but you know who, who we're hitting? We're hitting ourselves. We're hitting ourselves. Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold tightly without wavering. Let us hold tightly without wavering. So turn to your neighbor and say, no more wavering. To the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. And thank God that he can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love, good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And you know what's funny about this? So the writer of Hebrews penned this verse because they were facing persecution. Christians were being killed. That's pretty serious, right? If you're a Christian, you believe in Jesus Christ, we're going to cut your head off. And so Christians were being persecuted at this time. And so you know what they did? Some people were like, I don't think I'm going to go to church this Sunday. I don't want to die, right? And so for most people, they're thinking, okay, that's, that's probably a a good excuse, right? I can miss service this week because I don't want my head cut off. If I get caught going to church, they could kill me. So the Christians in this time were facing massive persecution. And so the writer says, we have to be unswervingly. We have to hold tight to the faith that we profess and believe in. We cannot let anyone or anything move us for what we're supposed to do, even if they persecute us. But you know what? The second thing they were doing, there was pressure for believers to revert back to old habits and the old way of doing things. You see, Jesus changed everything. You didn't have to come to the temple and sacrifice animals. But now you go to the temple, and what do you do? You offer yourself. It was easier. People don't... We always, we, our tendency is always to look back. Oh, it was so easy. All I had to do was buy a pigeon. All I had to do was get a lamb. All I had to do was get an animal, make the sacrifice. God forgave my sins. I'm all good. Hallelujah. But when Jesus died on the cross, when he rose on the third day, we don't offer animals anymore. Now we offer ourselves. And so the Christians, there was two things they were facing. One, persecution, ooh, which none of us want to face. And then secondly, social pressure to go back to the old way. Those two things we face today, too. It's not cool and hip to be a super on fire Christian today. 
right? It's not super hip and cool to be an on-fire Christian and walk around town and, and preach. How many people, when they hold up the signs on Florida, they're getting laughed at, right? You see those people on Florida, Jesus loves you, you know, repent of your sins or you're going to hell. How many people honk the horn and they laugh at them or they give them the universal finger for your number one, right? I mean, there's, there are serious things and persecution because Christians and being a Christian today, it's not the coolest and hippest thing in the whole wide world. If we were to talk and read the Bible in public, there's places where you can get arrested. If you want to read the truth, there's places you can get arrested today. There's pastors who've been arrested for just reading the Bible out loud. It's not hip, cool, and easy to be a Christian. And so we face persecution today just like they did. Not to the degree, because we're not being fed to lions, thank God. But we do face persecution. But more importantly, I think this morning, there's social pressure. Why don't you just revert back to your old self? Why don't you revert back to your old habits? Why don't you revert back to your old practices, the old way of doing things? The Bible says when you give your heart to Jesus, you become a new creation. So if you're new, you're brand new. Isn't that one of the coolest things about God? I come to God, I give him my life, I become brand new. So if I didn't like who I was last week, give my life to Jesus, Bam, I'm brand new. You're looking at somebody who's brand new this morning. I'm like a brand new car. Isn't it the best when you step into that car and it smells so fresh and clean and wonderful? When you give your life to Jesus Christ this morning, when you have surrendered and given everything, you're like that brand new car. Man, you're so fresh and clean and awesome. The writer says, think of ways to motivate others to love and to serving God. And the picture that the writer of Hebrews was generating is being a Christian is like being on a battlefield. We're fighting. We're shooting. We're trying to hit the enemy. Sometimes without realizing it, we're shooting and, and hitting each other because we as Christians, we so judgmental sometimes, we're taking down other believers instead of taking down the enemy. But the writer says, listen, being a Christian, it's like being on the battlefield. And there are people who are being shot, and they're wounded, and they're hurt. And we see that today, physically and spiritually. How many of us know people who physically need a touch from God? How many of us know people who emotionally, mentally, spiritually could use a touch from God? And so the writer was saying, don't neglect meeting together because we have to fight for one another. When we come to church in the morning, it's fun to harass Sam, right? But that's not what we come to church for. You know I love you, man. We come to church, and there should be interaction before and time to interact. We should get here early so that we can interact with one another. And then when the service starts, whether the music works, doesn't work, whether if Daniel's here, he's not here, we should sing along the best that we can to honor him. And then we listen to the message, and we get into the message, and we say, God, Holy Spirit, speak to me through the word. But then afterwards, this is the most important part. You look at somebody and say, I'm going to fight for you this week. What do you need this week? Because I'm going to fight for you. Man, I'm going to put on my gloves, my bazooka, my rifle, my Uzi. I'm going to get every single thing that I have, my tank, my bulletproof vest, and I'm going to fight for you this week. That's what church is. 
fighting for the person that you're next to, that you're across from, that when we come here before and we come here afterwards, we're talking, we're interacting, we're saying, what do you need this week? Because I'm going to battle for you. We should not neglect meeting together because it's not for ourselves. One is for him, and secondly, it's for the person next to you. And turn to them and point, point your finger at them and say, it's for you. And so the writer says, stop neglecting meeting together because you got to fight for one another spiritually, spiritually, spiritually. And with that, we get to our main text this morning, which is Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And it says, One day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Great crowds pressed in on him to listen, to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, push it out in the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. When he'd finished speaking, he said, Simon, no, now go out where it's deeper. Let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied. Master, Simon replied. We worked hard all night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. This time their nets were so full, man, the fish, they began to tear the nets. And a shout from help to their partners in the other boat. Soon, both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me because I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. And his partners, James, John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid, because now on, you're going to be fishing for people. You know what's interesting about Jesus? There's so many times that people, and, and it's easy to imagine, because Jesus, we knew, and everybody, when we read the stories, how powerful he was, right? The man, the God, him was powerful. And so how many times did people, were they pressing into Jesus, not because they wanted to listen to him, because they wanted to touch, they wanted to be healed. How many people pressed close to Jesus because they wanted to get close, they wanted to get healed, they wanted their friends healed. And so most of the time, 99, 99% of the time, they were pressing into Jesus for what they could get. But in this story today, they pressed in because they wanted to listen. Listening to the Bible is one of the most powerful things you can do. If we were to read the same verse 300 million times, if you pressed in, you would get something different every single time. If we press in and listen, Jesus said, if you listen to my words and follow, you become a wise person like your house that's built on a rock. When the rains come, when the floods come, 
when the massive waves come over the ocean and, and crash on the shore, your house, he said, it will never fall. But he said, if you don't listen, because you're tired of reading, tired of listening, I've read that, I know that. He said, you're foolish, and your house will crash every single time there's a storm. Pressing in to listen. This morning, the people in our story, they pressed in, not because they were looking for healing, because they wanted to listen. Jesus, he's a little bold. He didn't exactly know these men very well, but he stepped into their boat. And then after he stepped in the boat, then he asked for permission. He didn't ask for permission first. He stepped in and then said, oh, is it okay? Is this all right? And then he says to Simon, can you just push out a little bit? And what he did was he created a, kind of like a church area because where they pushed the boat out, it was good for speaking. It echoed off the shore. And so people and hundreds and thousands of people where Jesus was parked in the boat, he could speak and people could hear him very, very well. He didn't ask permission first. What did he do? He stepped. And so sometimes God's saying, you need to step out and stop asking to step out. Stop asking for permission. Sometimes you need to step out first and then ask later, right? If we get our hands slept, later. After he gets done speaking, he wanted to have a private little meeting. Don't we love private little meetings? And he turns to Peter and he says, you know what? Now it's time to go deeper. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to go deeper. It's time to go deeper. How many of us can remember as little kids learning how to swim? And, you know, when you learn how to swim, most of us learn how to swim in the shallow end, right? And, and it was safe. It was convenient. We had floaties possibly, right? We maybe had one of those vests. Or, or in the old days, some parents just picked up their kids, threw them in the pool, and said, I hope you make it. Jesus, he turns to Simon and he says, it's time that we go deeper. Jesus gets done teaching, and he decides that we're going to have a private little lesson here. And he says, listen, I want you to let down your nets. Now, Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. He, he teached the Bible. He taught the Bible. Jesus, he wasn't a fisherman. We knew that he messed around with wood. Some called him a carpenter, right? But he wasn't a fisherman. He wasn't a professional fisher guy like Peter was, like Simon. So Jesus says to Simon, let's go deeper and let down your nets. And, and everything in this moment seemed all wrong. One, you don't fish in the daytime. You fish at night. Nice, it's cool. And the fish float around closer to the top at night. In the daytime, when it's hot, the fish would go down deeper so their nets would not catch them. And so Simon's thinking, he's first hearing this, and he says, let's go deeper because you're going to throw down your nets. Secondly, he's thinking, I fished all night, and we're going to get there. Caught nothing, but I'm cleaning my nets. So I just got done cleaning my nets. I just got clean. I just washed my hands, and I'm all fresh and clean. I stretched my nets back out. I dug out all the junk and the weeds that were in my nets. Who's this rabbi telling me how to fish? This is what he's thinking. Who's this rabbi? And so he says to him, teacher. Calls him master, right? That's the nice thing to do. Master, sweet guy, wonderful person that you are. Do you know how hard I worked last night? 
you know how miserable it is to fish all night and catch nothing? I was up all night, Jesus. Did you know I was up all night? There's a tear coming down. I was up all night. I worked. There was sweat. There was tears. There was blood. There was everything. We did all this stuff. And you want me to go back out again? And then there's a period right there. You see, that's where most of us get stuck. That's where God gets the most from most believers. The complaining about why we don't want to do something. I've already tried and failed. I've already tried and died. I've already put the effort in. I've already given. I've already done. I've already tried. Don't you know that I worked hard? Don't you know that my life is so difficult? Jesus, don't you know? Don't you know how hard I have it? Don't you know? And we even get the lip quiver going with Jesus. Don't you know how drained I am emotionally, physically, spiritually? There's a period after Simon's first words in reply to Jesus. It stops right there because you know what? Most people, this is where we're stuck. Jesus is saying, let's go deeper. And we're saying, I'm too tired. Let's go deeper. You don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. You're a teacher and I'm a fisherman. There's nothing out there right now. Jesus, I physically cannot because I'm tired, period. And I wonder this morning how many of us say those very words to God every single day in some shape, form, or fashion. I can't, I won't. I'm tired. I'm emotionally drained. I don't want to. I tried and died. I tried and failed. I'm not going to do it again. How many times? And then how many times is that period right there? Because out of pressure, what do we do? We revert back to old habits and old ways. Just like they did. The writer of Hebrews is saying from social pressure. Because we're not realizing. See, we think that we're tired because physically we didn't get enough sleep. We're not tired because of that. You know what we're tired from? The spiritual drain and war that is going on around us. I am telling you this morning, most of our feelings in our heart, mind, and soul, they are not from sleep and lack thereof. They are from the bigger picture in everything that is happening in the world today. There is such a massive spiritual battle that is going on all around us. And so we are sensing, we are feeling that something is happening. So Jesus, why would I have to get out of my comfort zone right now? Why would I look like a fool and go fishing? I know I'm not going to catch anything because I caught nothing last night. Jesus, this could hurt my pride. I might have to spend a little money to try fishing again just for nothing. <clears throat> you know, Proverbs 3, 5, 7 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on what you know. But yet, how many of us every single day? Because we're in church, which is where we be honest. What do we depend on? What we know. It's what I was taught. It's what I grew up with. It's how I was trained. We're not going to move past certain areas of life 
when we're always relying on what we know. Isaiah 55, 8. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Peter in this moment was faced with something that was so far bigger than himself. He didn't feel it. He didn't want to spend the time, energy, or money to do it. He was tired. He just cleaned all the nets and didn't want to use them again until the next night. He was clinging to his own understanding. I know I'm not going to catch anything. I know. Because I wasted so much time and energy last night. Peter was clinging to himself for a minute. And all of us have those moments where it's all about myself. Got to take care of myself. Got to get tissue and chocolate, right? Got to take care of myself. Got to pamper myself. Got to, you know, got to do this. Got to do that. All of us have those moments. Sometimes, you know, it happens at different times for all of us. But we all want those moments where we got to take care of ourselves and we need a little me time right now, right? And so Peter was having a little me moment right here. He was saying, no, Jesus. I need, I need to go to bed because I got to go fishing tonight. And so he was clinging to himself. And I wonder this morning how many of us are clinging to something that is inside of us that when it is compared to faith, it's like staying in the shallow end of our faith and we're not willing to go deeper. I wonder this morning, is there anything possibly in our young Livelihood of 30 years old, 18, 19 years old. Is there anything compared to the spiritual life of faith that Paul said, fight hard for the good fight? That we're being shallow. And we're standing on the shallow side of the pool. And Jesus is saying, oh, man, if you would just go deeper. What's out there in the deep end? I'm glad you asked. What's out there in the deep end? Peter said, I don't want to. But because you asked me, I will. You see, sometimes people are just waiting for you to ask. Sometimes we assume things of people without asking. That's different, right? We assume a lot of things in our head. That's what gets us into trouble, right? Those first three letters, which I ain't going to say because we're in church, right? We assume a lot of things instead of doing the right thing, instead of talking interacting we just we're in this assuming bubble ah let's assume everybody will do the right thing cuz i am too peter says i don't want to but because you asked me jesus i'm going to go the minute simon is obedient what happens there is so many fish there is so many fish this is the daytime it never happens Nothing happens like this. This is the first time they've seen this. Simon's head is just like blown off right now. And he's like, I've never seen this. I'm a professional fisherman. Do you know who I am? I'm Simon, the fisherman. And I know how to fish. This has never happened before. His nets were so full. They were ripping. And then they're pulling it onto the boat. Simon. Unfortunately, in this minute, you know what he had to do? Hey, come over here. I have so many fish, I can't, I can't take any more fish. My boat is full to the brim. I can't take any more fish. So what did he do? He called his friends over. Get over here, get over here, get over here. So that two boats 
him, his friends. Now it says their boats were the, on the verge of sinking because there were so many fish. Our theme, fight the good fight. Why? Because Paul was writing to Timothy. He was saved. He asked God into his heart. He was called. They prayed for him, anoint oil and all those kinds of things. Said he's going to be a little preacher teacher. Timothy's going to grow up and be awesome. But you know what he had to say to him? It's good that you're saved, but now you need to fight hard for what God has for you. And here this morning, we're not fighting hard enough for what God has for us. We are not fighting hard enough for what God has for us in the deep end. You know, we've become a generation, let's be honest, that you know what? There's a lot of pastors and churches and Christians who fabricate blessing and substitute and say God is this when God's not around. We have people, we have become, unfortunately, there are men and women who manipulate. They use control and power to manipulate people and try to control people. Instead of letting God really do his thing. Instead of letting God do his thing. Paul says, fight the good fight for everything that God has for you. You have to claw and scratch and bite. When, when you went to, if you go to, you know, where there's preschool and little toddlers today, these kids, they claw each other and bite each other, right? Why? Why at that age are they fighting and biting? Because inside of them, there's something spiritually going on that says, I'm a fighter, man. I'm going to fight for something. Maybe it's just that Barbie doll, but I'm going to fight for something. God is saying today, us believers and Christians, we need to fight harder because we're stuck in the shallow end and we're not going to where it's deeper. We have fabricated, we have manipulated the system, and so there's a sense of blessing. But it's not the deep end blessing. It's a substitute blessing. And how many of us this morning have settled for a substitute blessing? Because this kind of deep end blessing, it should have never happened. It doesn't happen. God's ways, higher than my ways. God knows how to fish, even though he's not a fisherman, better than I know how to fish. God understands every single thing. And I think this morning, many of us, we've settled for substituted blessings because we've learned how people have manipulated and controlled us, and we've learned how to manipulate and control the system as well to just get by another day, to just get by another moment. And so we started the same fight the good fight. Ah, oh, God wants us to fight. He wants us to get mean and angry and fight for all that belongs to us. And we talked about fighting for eternity because there is nothing more important than the day you die knowing that you are going to heaven and that you're going to be on the right side. There is nothing more important this morning than understanding I'm headed to heaven. I'm fighting for my eternity. I'm fighting to go to the right place. And I'm going to fight for other people to go to the right place. I'm fighting for eternity. And last week we talked about fighting for the team. Because just like the writer of Hebrews, we have to stop neglect meeting together because we need to fight for one another. It's important to fight for one another. Yes. Could we watch sermons online? Absolutely. 
but you're not going to get that kind of interaction online sometimes, right? Are there people who they will not leave their houses? Church for them, it's become watching through the camera. And if they give and if they support and if, and if they pray and then if they reach out and say, how can I help my peeps? They're trying to fight and they're trying to do the best that they can. But God, for whatever reason, you know, he's put us, group of handsome, beautiful, wonderful people together. And it didn't matter, you know, honestly, if there's five or ten of us. There's an army in here this morning. And God says, you need to fight for your team. You need to fight with your army. This is who I made you to battle with. You need to fight for them. You need to fight for each other. And that was week two. And today, it's the fight to get past what I know. Because this is where most people and Christians struggle. There is a fight to get past what I know. Because what I know, it's my way, it's my understanding, it's my knowledge, it's my feeling, it's my past, it's my hurts, it's my pains, it's me, 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 me. But what we know, it's stopping us from something that will just blow your mind. Getting into the deep end. Getting into a blessing that is so far beyond. Is there any one area of our faith in God this morning that we're stuck in the shallow end, unwilling to go deeper? It's not a time ever to look around and say, well, I'm stuck here because of this person. I'm stuck here because of this situation. We can't be talky, judgy, pointing fingers right now. We need to be looking at ourselves and saying, am I fighting to get beyond myself? Am I fighting to get beyond what I know? We need to take a hard look and be honest to say, where am I? Am I in the deep end of God's blessing? Am my nets, are they tearing? Not, I'm not saying money, okay, but the blessing of God, it outweighs money. It outweighs life. There's healing. There's provision. There's money. There's prosperity. There are so many things when you are in the weight of God's blessing in the deep end. There is more things that we cannot contain in ourselves because God is so powerful. And so it's taking a hard look at ourselves and saying, am I in the deep end of God's blessings? Genesis 12.1 says, the Lord has said to Abram, leave your country, your relatives, your father's family, go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, make you famous. I will make you be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with content. Being in the deep end, we saw that this morning. Simon could not contain all the fish, all the blessing. So what did he have to do? He had to call his friends over. I can't handle all this money. I can't handle all this fish. Hey, can you come take some? Is that the moment in the space that we're in? We are so overfull of his blessing that we're saying, get over here. You got to taste this. You got to see this for yourself. In the deep end where God is moving. I'm in the deep end right here. And I got to call you over because you are missing it. You know, honestly, no matter what we teach our kids, if we don't teach them to get in the deep end, we're teaching them to fail. It doesn't matter how much money they make. It doesn't matter how successful they get. If they're not going to get into the deep things of God, they will fail. Life, as we know it, it's only going to get harder and harder and harder. Yes, and that sounds sweet and wonderful, but I'm sorry, it's the truth. Life is not going to get any easier from here on out. It is going to be a hard battle the rest of the way until the end. 
And if we're not into the deep things of God, people are going to perish and die and pay for it. The deep things of God, it's where I am so overfilled with God and his blessings and the weight that I have. Get over here and taste this. Interestingly enough, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We read that part, remember? Where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. I'll get in there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Fighting through what I know so that I may trust him fully. Fighting through what I've been through. Fighting through what I think I've already learned in life. Fighting through what I grew up and got from my parents. Fighting through and, and getting through what I learned from my teachers, the ones that I liked. Fighting through and, and getting past the things that I heard from my bosses and this and that and the other. Fighting through the knowledge of what I have already learned in my life. The writer says when you learn to fight and get past yourself, then you start to fully trust in the Lord. Seek God in all you do. He'll show you what path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. <clears throat> Instead, fear the Lord and turn evil. Now, this is where it gets good. Then, verse 8, you have healing for your body, strength for your bones. We all want healing. We all want strength for our bones. But how do we get it? We have to get past ourselves. How do we get to the weight in the deep end where there's overflowing? Getting past Myself, what I know. Peter knew how to fish. You don't fish in the daytime. Jesus said fish, so I go fishing. What did he do because he did what he didn't want to do? He tasted the blessing of God. And this morning, the biggest question is, are you fully tasting? Are you fully tasting the blessing of God? Are you fully tasting all that he has for you? Are you going after and fighting the good fight for all that God has for you, all that God has for our kids? Isaiah 40, 28. Have you never heard? Have you never understood the Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. God gives power to the weak, strength to the powerless. Even young people are going to become weak and tired. When, when me and Sixto were young, we never got tired, right? But I can tell you, youths today, they get tired. It ain't what it used to be. They work for five minutes sweating. I need a break, right? When we were taught when you were younger, you work through the sweat. You work through the pain. You're going to work all day. You're going to feel it. And then you're going to go to bed and you're going to get up and do it again. It ain't like that today. Even youths. Isaiah 40, 40, 30 says they're going to become weak and tired, and we're seeing it. They're weak and tired. And now that we're a little bit older, we're feeling a little weak and tired too, right? Most of us in here this morning, how many of us are feeling a little weak and tired sometimes, right? Young men will fall in exhaustion. But this is where it gets good. Those who trust in the Lord, not in themselves. Those who trust in the Lord also translated those who wait on the Lord. Those who give up what they know, those who get beyond themselves, those who are willing to say, God, I surrender everything just to follow you, 
those who are willing to fully trust <clears throat> their heart, mind, and soul to God. Those who are willing to give every single thing they have. God, I believe. God, I'm trusting you. God, I'm going to follow you. The writer says, they will soar high on wings like eagles. <clears throat> they will run and not grow weary. And they're going to walk and they're not going to faint. There's an energy and a power that we know nothing about. We've heard about it. We've seen it on TV. Superman. The Avengers. Goonies, because those kids were awesome. Just got to throw them in there, right? Data. Data. There's a power that's far beyond you. It's far beyond me. Way beyond sleep. Way beyond getting good an amount of sleep every single night. Way beyond strength and energy and feelings and emotions. Way beyond what I think and I feel and I know. Way beyond my profession and knowledge and the profession that who I am. Way beyond every single thing. If I lay all those things down and get beyond myself, I'm going to tap into something in the deep end. I'm going to run, and I'm never going to get weary. I'm going to walk, and I'll never be tired. I can find healing for my body and healing for my bones when I get beyond myself, when I get beyond me. And so it makes sense when Jesus says, Mark 8, 34, and we're going to wrap up with this verse this morning. Calling the crowd to join the disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, simple, give up your own way. Take up your cross, follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. You give up your life for me, my sake, sake of good news, you'll save it. If you try to benefit, what, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me, my message, in these adulterous, sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. God has something for every one of us this morning. God has something for you. God has something for you. And the biggest question that I have this morning, like Peter, but I worked all night, Jesus. Where are you stopping? Where are you putting a period on your words and in your faith? in the pursuit of him. What are the things that are stopping you? What are the things that are slowing you down? Because today, more than ever, we have to fight the good fight of faith, going after every single thing that God has for us. Why would we not? Why would we not want our boat full of fish? Why would we not want healing for our bodies and for our friends? Why would we not want something greater and be on? If the only thing I have to do is get beyond myself for something greater, can you see this morning where God is calling you? Let's pray.